Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. As you can see on your screen right now, if you're watching on YouTube, it's another Farabaugh Friday here on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. Nick Farabaugh with me. No Alan Saunders, but I'm not going to make any promises that you won't see him the duration of the episode. We could see him popping at some point. Sources are telling me. Nick, what's going on? Yeah, maybe we'll get a random run-in from Alan Saunders. A quick yeah. hit-and-go, you know, good, good stuff, but... I'm doing well. I'm feeling the fall weather out here now. Finally, I, I like it. It's a uh, it's hoodie and short season. That's a very underrated uh, style season for me. Um, very easy for me to go out and get multiple styles. So I like it. But today I am rocking this Hawaiian shirt that I think is looks fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I feel like you did it just for me. You did. Um, yeah. We're getting to like we are in like bonfire weather to football weather, actual football weather. Nick, I, I didn't I spent the entire summer. I was I was outside a good bit. Didn't get sunburnt the entire time. I got sunburned at the Steelers opener on Sunday. I don't know <laughs> how I did it. Like it was supposed to be overcast, like there was potential rain. That there was overcast at the beginning, but then the sun comes out for like the last three quarters of that game. I end up getting sunburned. Crazy. Yeah, I will say I uh I have passed my sunburn arc. Um, mm. I got really hit about five times in Latrobe this summer. So yeah, I have, I've tanned over enough. And even before that, when I was, you know, at minicamp and OTAs, so the Steelers facility itself gets me sunburned. And then when I went on vacation, I did it again. So I've been sunburned about 11 times. 
um, lightly. I've never been badly sunburned, but this is you. You got it on late in the cycle. Late in the cycle. Yes. Yes, but I'm still here. I'm ready to go. I know the people are ready to go. The question is going to be, is Larry O going to be ready to go against one of his former teams, the Cleveland Browns, on Monday night? He's been a limited participant. I think that with that foot thing, it's almost like we can just expect to see him on the injury report throughout practices here throughout the season. But to see him go from a limited participant to a DNP today, is that concerning? And where does that put his status ahead of Monday's game? Well, there's two ways you can look at it to me, and I'm still not sure which one it is. Um, mm-hmm. The first way to look at it is, oh, man, he went from limited DNP. He's not playing. I think that's the first way. I think the second way is they they looked at it and said, okay, we have an extra day. He's dealing with this foot injury. How about we just give him the day off? I think that's also a potential thing. Um, so I, I look at that and say, I don't know. Um I still technically think he's going to play. He's pulled this act before where he goes from limited to does not practice. And then last year he would suddenly pop up on Friday as, as a limited go in questionable play. Um, that might be what we're dealing with here. I think he plays Monday. You know, he's got a whole day off. If they were, if they decided to go into this practice, cause it was a lighter practice today where they weren't, you know, doing a whole lot of, of anything that I think Larry O would really have to be involved in. Maybe, you know, the more intensive game plan tomorrow day where they kind of go in and focus on that stuff is where they want Larry in. Um, so maybe they just decide to give him the day off. I think it's possible that maybe this is just a something that is is designed to give him maybe a day off or maybe they were, you know, going through physical therapy during practice instead or doing things to strengthen the foot. Um, I think there's a lot of possibilities there and not all of them are negative, um, but we're not going to have a 100 percent. Larry Ogunjobi here on uh, mm-hmm. Monday. I think that's very, very uh, evident. I think Larry O will get 100% eventually, but I probably it's probably not going to be tough to the bye week. Um, I think that's that week off. You can finally expect Larry O to get the rest he needs, and this, this foot injury should probably be gone by then. But until then, he's probably going to be a really, really up-and-down rocky player. I think that's the unfortunate thing because – when he's healthy, he was awesome last year. You look at the first six games last year where he was fully healthy before, you know, he had the back injury, the foot injury, the knee injury. He was on pace to have about seven sacks, about 35 to 40 pressures. Like, those are pretty good numbers for a guy running next to Cam Hayward, and that's what they needed. He was doing really a nice job. I thought he was okay against – the 49ers, probably their second best defensive lineman behind Keanu Benton, but they need him to be, they need him to be the Batman, right? They need him to be the the, the A1. I I just don't think Larry's going to be able to do it because I just don't think he's fully healthy. Yeah. Uh, to your point, like, yeah, when he's been healthy, he's looked like the player that earned that three year, $40.5 million contract with the Bears that was nixed due to a foot thing that popped up and landed him in the Steelers' lap on a one year, $8 million deal last season. Um, but yeah, even less than 100% with the absence of Cam Hayward, they need him at whatever he can give them. So hopefully he is able to go on Monday night. To your point, though, you know, maybe they are just giving him the day off. He wouldn't be the only one that had the day off. Isaac Samalo also didn't practice today, just a resting player. I'm very glad that they designate that stuff because I think a lot of people would be worried to see him popping up as not practicing if they didn't say that. Um, 
some other guys trending in maybe the right direction or status staying the same as we've seen. Chuchakur for and James Daniels still limited today. Pat Fryermuth upgraded to a full participant today. So pretty good sign that he's going to be able to go. But what's your gauge on the two that I that I mentioned in James Daniels and in Chuchakur for? I think they'll both be fine. Um, I think Daniels is pretty – I know they said he's listed as limited, but he pretty much did most of the things. Uh, today, mm-hmm. so I I imagine he'll be a full participant tomorrow and uh, not have a game designation. Um, I think Chuksakor for also is taking the correct steps and progressing through this concussion protocol. I think he'll play. I'm not sure if we're going to have a situation where he is maybe listed as questionable or he logs yeah. practice tomorrow and is off the injury report. But it takes five days to fully get through the concussion protocol. There are five steps. If he is progressing correctly, he should be on about step four right now given their practice schedule this week so tomorrow should be five and if he that goes well i think he, he's going to clear concussion protocol um so i could see them listing him as you know questionable and then maybe on sunday comes out that he's removed from the injury report or something when he finally you know fully clears it um so i, I think he'll play um so i, I do i do think that is going to happen i think most of the guys you see on that injury report outside of uh Deontay, um will play. I, I still think Larry will probably play too. Um, again, I'm taking that optimistic view on Larry um, just because it's kind of what he's done. This is his song and dance. Um, so I think there's not much concern for those guys outside Deontay and, and one other guy I'm sure we're talking about. Yeah, let's go there right now. Anthony McFarland missing a second straight day of practice with a knee thing that apparently he's been dealing with for a few weeks. It flared up on him and resting it now, trying to get back on the field as soon as possible and not keep playing through it potentially. So what is your view on him? I mean, this people on the surface might just think, ah, third running back, whatever, but he's had a role on this team as a receiver, made a key for, well, I say key, it obviously didn't matter on the scoreboard, but a fourth down catch kind of bailing out Kenny Pickett on what wasn't a very good throw. He's been their number one kick returner, and I thought was very good in that role in the opener returning kicks. So what's your view on Anthony McFarland's status? I don't think he's going to play. That's just my view on it. Listen, Mm -hmm. When you have an injury and all of a sudden after one game it starts to swell up to the point where you can't practice, I, I just I think that's a, a sign your injury needs time to rest, and that means you cannot play football. Um, it, and so I don't know what the exact nature of the injury is. Um, I, like I don't know what type of knee injury it is. I don't know if it's a ligament or a bruise or whatever it might be. Um, I, you know, this could be a Travis Kelsey situation where he maybe suffered this injury way back in – Camp maybe re-aggravated it and just needs a week off. Um, that's possible. But when there's swelling there, you got to take caution. And so playing Ant when his knee is swelling up and probably wouldn't have the speed he usually does seems counterproductive anyways. Um, so yeah. I would expect to see one of Greg Bell or Quadri Allison uh, elevated and getting ready to play. So I think one of those two will make their uh, Steelers regular season debuts. Um because I just don't think the Steelers are going to roll into this with two running backs unless the there is one option as well where they maybe just don't do that and view Connor Hayward as the third back um, in case of an emergency. Because I do think with the way Larry is banged up and, and although Leal with the triceps isn't even on the report anymore, um, after he was yesterday, got removed, um, so he'll be good to go. Um, I imagine Fahoko is going to be on his way up and it's an elevation or something of the sort. So 
we'll see. But I, I think you're going to see one of the two make their debuts, and uh, I think Ant's probably going to sit in this one. Is it one of those two or somebody else that you think gets the nod as kick returner one then? I, I think a lot of people would look at it and just say, oh, I mean, Calvin Austin's the punt returner, but is he able to do this? It's, it's a different thing, though, returning kicks as opposed to returning punts. So is it Calvin? Is it Gunner? Is it one of the two running backs coming up? Who do you think it would be? Yeah, you know, the depth chart gunner. Um, so that's my initial thought, but I think it's certainly possible that it's Desmond King. I don't know. Yeah. I think King is their best option. I think it's just harder to fit Desmond King into the inactive actives list than it is Gunner, because Gunner's gonna play regardless, right? Like he's going mm-hmm. to have a role on offense now with the injury to Deontay, and so he's gonna play. So it, it feels easier for them to just go plug him in there instead of say making this big leap where they have to do what James Pierre probably sits if that's the case, or maybe one of Elijah Riley or Chandler Sullivan does. Um, It's going to, I think depend on where they think Desmond King is in terms of his readiness to play defensively, because Mm -hmm. if they were to sit down Chandler Sullivan or Elijah Riley, for example, I don't think Riley's going to sit. I think he's too good of a special teamer, but um, if they set down James Pierre too, all right, is he ready to play on the outside if there's an injury? Um, I think that's something we have to take into consideration here. So I kind of expect it to be Gunner, but I think their best kick returner outside of Ant is probably Desmond King. So we'll see. Well, where are you at then with Desmond King? You don't think he's even going to get a helmet this week, or, or is that what you're saying? I don't. I don't. I think – they're going to give him a few weeks here to ease himself in. I just think they're trusting guys like Sullivan a little bit more right now. Pat Pete's playing back there in the slot. I don't think they want to throw King in there before he's ready to, to swim. I, I just – I don't think so. Um, I think it's better for him to learn everything, especially with all the communication issues they've had. You know, when they – with all the coverage busts against San Francisco, like is throwing Desmond King in there really a good option when the guys that are playing there right now can't even get the calls right? Like – I think that's a, good point. that's a question right now. I think maybe if they have another bad game this week in the secondary where the bus just keep coming, I, I think at that point it's like, what do we have to lose? Let's just throw King in there anyways because, heck, we need to make personnel changes. But I don't know. I, I think he probably doesn't get a helmet this week. Um, hmm. I don't know if he gets a – I don't know if he gets a helmet before the bye. I, I really don't. Um, I think he'll play a lot more after the bye. But this that might be – that might be something that they look at and just don't play him at all. Or, you know, he might play maybe in Houston or, or against Baltimore. I think though that's more likely um, than playing Monday night. He's ready, though. He says he's ready. I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah, Nick, sometimes you just try to jump on a moving train, you know? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Fajoko when talking about that, though, coming up from the practice squad, something that Alan and I have talked about a little bit, but, you know, let's bring you into the conversation here because when you look at the Cleveland Browns, yes, it seems like offensively they're trying to cater more towards their quarterback skill set at this point and stuff like that. But when you have Nick Chubb, your offense still should be going through Nick Chubb, and Mike Tomlin acknowledged that as well. Um, Brain Fajoko, one, do you think that he could come up and get a helmet, and what type of role would he play in a game against, you know, Nick Chubb in this front? Huge role. I mean, listen, they need a space eater that can just eat blocks. And I think mm-hmm. they missed that last week where you saw some of those guys get blown off the ball. Montrevis Evans had some ugly reps. Leal is 
not a great run defender as a three tech. Um, Louder Milk mm-hmm. is either great at stopping the run or gets washed. Like it's there's no in between with Isaiah Louder Milk. It's either a great rep or a terrible rep. Larry Ogunjobi had some good reps, had some bad reps. Benton's a rookie, so he's a little up and down, but definitely had the highest highs. Mm-hmm. So get me a consistent guy in there. Get me a nose tackle that I can put in there in my base, eat up those double teams, and I want to see a Landon Roberts flying around. Like I want to see Quan Alexander flying around. I want to see Cole Holcomb coming down. That'll help your linebackers a lot if a guy like Vahoko can be in there and eat up those double teams, and then you just got your linebackers flying at Chubb. Because the Steelers should trust their linebackers to, to tackle Nick Chubb. And if they can't do that, then that's on the inside backers. It won't be on the D-line that time. But I think that's where they have to kind of look at this and say, what do we need right now? You're going to get a little bit of a pass rush boost when Armin Watts comes in, right? He's got more pass rush juice than basically anyone not named Benton and Ogan Joby in that rotation to me. Um, Leal has potential there, but he's not fully there yet. Um, so Watts can give you that if you need that on passing downs. But I need run defense too, right? That's what you're really yeah. losing with Cam Hayward is you're not mm-hmm. just losing this great pass rusher. You're, you, you're losing this elite run defense. And so I want Fahoko there who, when he came in, when you saw what he did in that Chargers defense last year, when he came in, their run defense was one of the worst in the NFL before he came in. And suddenly they shot up once he started playing at nose so I think the 12th down the stretch, I mean, that's a big, I think it was like 28th to 12th or something when Fajoko came in. So that's a big difference. And you got to imagine how much harder that was. That Brandon Staley defense is all too high. So you're always a gap short. You're always a guy short and that too high. So Fajoko was a massive boon to them. And so I, I feel like Braden Fajoko could be a guy that at least you got to try and see what he can bring to the table for you because I think he could be a real big asset to them. Again, maybe not a guy that plays like a ton of snaps. He'll probably play 25 maybe, but in those mm-hmm. 25, if you can slow down Nick Chubb and put them behind the sticks and put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands, given how Deshaun Watson played last week, I think that's about as good as you can ask for from this defense because that's, I think, where you get into territory where maybe you can force some turnovers, give this offense some short fields, and I think you can start to gain a little bit there because the Steelers' offense is going to have a tough time against this defense for the Browns. But if the defense can get a few turnovers for them, make Deshaun Watson beat him. I think that's where this team can win this game. And so Fajoko is a big part of that. There's obviously not a perfect solution when you lose a guy like Cam Hayward. And it's not like, yes, Cam Hayward's been a very good run defender. But if you look at the unit as a whole over the last few seasons, they haven't been very good in that area. A guy like Fajoko being elevated could obviously alleviate some of that. And when you also look at the way that the linebackers played in week one, against San Fran, they need a guy to kind of keep them clean and just let them pin their ears back and, and rush downhill. So, yeah, hopefully Fajoko's presence would allow them to play a completely different style from what we saw in week one because the results were not good. So that will be uh, that will definitely be interesting. The other guy along the D-line I wanted to ask you about was Armin Watts. Do you think he's been running with the ones a little bit here, too, in, in this week of practice? So what type of role would you expect him to have on Monday night and how important is he to this puzzle? Yeah, he's their pass rush kind of replacement for Cam Hayward, right? Yeah, so you, you could have two guys replace Cam's run defense and Fajoko and then the pass rush and, and Watts. Um, probably doesn't play as much. I think the starting lineup in a base defense for them right now, if we assume Larry will play, will probably be Larry, Liao, 
Adams. That's what I that's what I think it'll be. If he doesn't play, yeah. just swap in louder milk there. But I think mm-hmm. Watts and Loudermilk probably split pretty evenly on that plane of how much time they get. Um, you because Loudermilk's not a pass rusher, like basically at all. So Watts probably comes in on passing downs to me. I think that's where he brings kind of flexibility. So they have a lot of different styles because you look at that rotation, Leal's kind of this quicker guy, and Loudermilk's this run defender, big strong guy, and then Watts is kind of this heavier dude that just has really good pass rush moves. And so that's where he's at. Um, not a few seasons removed from a five sack season. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he is a guy that has proven production. He he has moves that on tape he has a go to. Um, so it's not like he's some elite defensive lineman, but a solid rotational pass rusher that you can ask to be a sub package three tech, a five tech. Um, can play a two I and one. Uh, so he can play up and down the line of scrimmage, which I think they really like from him because it gives them a lot of options for stunts. And I think they're going to have to get tricky up front with some of their blitzes here. And so I think Watts, what he really allows you to do is, okay, let's say you want to blitz a Landon Roberts with him on a stunt. It allows him to really crash down and, and really penetrate the pocket and allow Landon Roberts to become a lot more dangerous for that. Or maybe they blitz out of the slot. Jen Sullivan wants to come down. Well, Watts is a guy they have to worry about now in that interior. They just can't, you know, not worry about him. I think with Loudermilk, you really don't have to worry about him at all. For Hooker, you don't have to worry about him at all. I think you have to worry about Watts. So I think you can have this kind of sub-package rusher set where if you're three-tech, if you got your two three-techs, you can throw in Keanu Benton and Armin Watts together. And what that allows you to do is get your best two interior pass rushers on the field. Of course, that's if Larry doesn't play, but... I imagine no. if he does play, it would probably be Larry and uh, Larry and, and Keanu. But I think Watts allows you to to at least rotate that in, so you have three options instead of two. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> talked a lot about the front here recently. Let's talk about the back end of this defense. We've mentioned some of the communication stuff. The one staple that this defense has had since 2019, Minka Fitzpatrick, played a lot in the slot in week one, and that's kind of been a topic. You wrote a story about his utilization what do you think happens here in week two? Totally different matchup in terms of Cleveland's offense compared to San Fran. So how do you expect him to be utilized here in week two? He told me he he will play anywhere, wherever, at any time. Um, they are going to use him all over the football field and more so than they have before. You know, he's been kind of a guy that was a free safety robber role, and that's what he's best at, and that's what he'll probably play most at. That's his bread and butter. But against San Fran, right, he blitzed four times. He only blitzed 12 times last yeah. year. That was notable. Played in the slot, played in the box for about 30 snaps. Like, that is crazy. Played in the slot, took on Kittle. He was the tight end eraser last year, um, and that I mean, last week. So I think this week, man, he could do whatever you want him to do. But I expect him to play back more. I think, you know, playing that middle of the field, stopping Amari Cooper from coming over the middle, stopping guys like Elijah Moore, um, being a guy that is faced up against David Njoku. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's a guy that can play a lot of different areas. You can play the slot. You can play kind of that overhang role. You could even have him follow Njoku outside if you really want to. Um, so I feel like, to me, that's kind of where he kind of comes in in this. Is He's a very key part of stopping David Njoku. And he's a very key part of making Deshaun Watson think over the middle of the field. So 
free safety Robert Overhang. That's kind of where I'm at with that, but I feel like he's going to be the guy watching David Njoku a lot in this matchup, and probably rightfully so. They need to stop David Njoku in this matchup, um, force those receivers to beat him, put some faith in the corners because the corners need to play better. Um, these corners can't play better, and, and Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones go off. I mean, that's on them. George Kittle did nothing. He did nothing against the Steelers. And some of that was due to T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith getting shipped, but a lot of it was due to Minka Fitzpatrick as well. So I'd, I'd feel like Minka, you know, is a guy that needs to be utilized more to his strengths. I feel like I understand what they were trying to do against the 49ers, blitzing him mm-hmm. off the edge, you know, getting that backside penetration, forcing Brock Purdy to kind of move and extend plays and kind of putting it on him, and he did beat them. Um, but I, I figured what they were doing, but I thought at times they took him out of the play. And what I mean by that is, they, by playing him in the box and manning up on Kittle, I don't feel like Brock Purdy had to think about where 39 was. He would just avoid George Kittle in the route progression because he had Brandon Ayuk wide open every play. I mean, that was a big thing, too. I just don't feel like he had 39 on his mind. So I think you need to get him back into that robber free safety rule enough to where teams have to worry about where 39 is. And I also didn't think Keanu Neal was particularly good when he was in that robber rule. So, no. I think that's another thing. So I feel like they need to get Minka back in that traditional role some because you have to have that thought on their minds, which I feel like in turn when he will start blitzing, come off the edge, in the slot, at the overhang, will make him more important there because teams are going to have to worry about where he is all over the field at that point. I just felt like they – I feel like quite literally they boxed him in a little bit too much against the 49ers. Yeah, it's it's funny when he gets the snaps in the box to see it registered as defensive line snap. Like it was the same thing with like Terrell Edmonds when you'd see like defensive line snaps. Um, but yeah, that's so in totality when you look at the Steelers defense versus this Browns offense, we've talked a lot about Nick Chubb, that matchup, how they match up up front. Really good offensive line. I know they're gonna be missing Jack Conklin. Rookie Dewan Jones is gonna have a tall task in front of him, but the interior of that offensive line, very good. Um, how do you think as a whole the Steelers defense and Browns offense match up against each other? Not very good. Um, and by that I mean the Steelers, man, I don't know how they stopped Nick Chubb. Like it really pass in front of them. Right? Yeah. Like if you see about if you think about without Cam Hayward, their on and off splits without Cam Hayward are abysmal oh, since 2021. He's not on the field, teams run the ball at will against the Steelers. And really, you look at the five runs Cam Hayward, they had with Cam Hayward on the field last week, and I think they're like negative almost one EPA in terms of their rush last week. It was only five runs with McCaffrey, but like that's notable to me. And then the other 24, obviously, is just going to the moon, right? Because they were getting below the football. Um, So I think that's – I think the secondary, actually, they have the talent to match up with those guys and stop them. I think it's a good group of weapons – for Cleveland, but like I don't think I'm not that impressed by Deshaun Watson and what he did last week. And I like Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore and Donald Peoples Jones, but I think the Steelers corners aren't as bad as they looked last week. I think a lot of them I chalk up a lot of that struggle to them being confused, not communicating with one another. So if they communicate better, I think they should be in better spots here to make some plays. But I feel like that front, I just I don't know how they're gonna stop Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Uh, blitzes and different things, but man, they gotta. These guys have to step up and play one whale of a game, and play big boy football on the interior. Because you know for a fact, to me, when you have T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Marcus Golden, and Nick Herbig on the edge, 
and you have to chip those guys and, and stop them in that regard, to me, that immediately eliminates part of the playbook for the Browns. You're not going to run a lot of stuff outside to try to avoid those guys, right? You don't want to run to Alex Highsmith or TJ Watts. So you're going to target the weakness, which is the interior. So they got to stick up. Uh, that's going to be the big thing. If those guys stick up, if the depth D linemen stick up in the run game and are able just to slow down Chubb, not allow 20 yards, and, and you know, maybe if it's four yards and three yards and it's third and three, and you feel like you can stop them at that point, get off the field. I think that's going to be the big thing. They're going to have to have big games. I think Chubb's going to get his in this game. Make no mistake, Chubb's going to do a lot of damage. But if they can make sure he doesn't take over the complexity of this game and force everything to collapse, I think that's where they win. Um, because really, you look at the history of Nick Chubb against the Steelers, man, they haven't done well at stopping him. Even with Cam Hayward, he's always mm-hmm. been an issue for them. But when they do get ahead of the kind of – Nick Chubb train is they get them into third and fives, third and sixes in in kind of their own territory and Deshaun Watson or whatever insert quarterback makes mistakes and they get behind and then they have to abandon Nick Chubb. And I think that's that's what happened last year in the final game of the year where the Steelers got out really early. And and so I think that also lends itself to a fast start from the offense. But you really you look at that and the Browns were completely out of it, and they, by the end of it, Nick Chubb was averaging six yards a carry but had like 10 carries because mm-hmm. they didn't play ball from behind. Yeah. it's It feels like if the Steelers are going to have success in this game, we're going to look back and watching the All-22, we're going to be like – we mentioned a lot of these names. Oh, Braden Fajoko had a really good game, or Armin Watts really stepped up in this one. Isaiah Louder, Marvin Leal. Like, yeah, that defensive line to me is going to be the key. What do they look like in their first game without Cam Hayward and now going against one of the league's best rushing attacks with that offensive line and Nick Chubb running it down their throat? If they can hold up well um, – yeah, then you know, put them put Cleveland's offense behind the eight ball and make them play a game that they don't want to play. On the opposite side of that, Pittsburgh's offense versus Cleveland's defense. How do you think they stack up against them? I mean, Cleveland's defense held Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals to three points last week. Um, maybe one of the most talented trios of receivers going against what I, I think has a case for a really good corner trio in Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson, and Greg Newsom. How do you think the offense stacks up against their defense? Yeah, when you look at what that team did to the Bengals, man, ooh, that was a nasty performance yeah. by Jim Schwartz's defense. And I know that, Mike – Real quick, before we talk about the personnel, I do want to mention Jim Schwartz. Man, the entire offseason, like, there was talk about Flores potentially being a target for them, and obviously Steelers fans didn't want them that, that to happen. When they hired Jim Schwartz, I was like, man, I – I hate that hire because I love that hire for them. And I know it's only one week. I don't want to overreact, but things look really good over there in Cleveland for that defense. It was a great hire for them. Um, yeah. it, he he does so many things on that defensive side of the ball to confuse quarterbacks. Like, people wonder what happened last week. Part of it was the corners absolutely played a perfect game. Uh, Ward, Emerson, Newsom were elite. All three of them were Fantastic. They were the best corner room in the NFL in week one, um, by my measure. I, I thought they were awesome. Uh, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, none of them got any room, um, which to me is very impressive from any aspect. But you look at what they did on the back end, too, rotating their safeties, um, getting linebackers in different areas underneath, just so many different things up front, creeper pressure, sim pressures. 
different things. Joe Burrow sucked last week because he didn't know what he was looking at. Like that, that was to me was what really caught me. Miles Garrett was hitting crossover moves over the center. (laughs) He was cooking. He was cooking, man. Like that was so when you pair to me at the skies like that with great corner play and Miles Garrett just dominating up front, it's a really tough defense to play against. It really is because Miles Garrett is such a game changer. So if you if you switch from pre-snap to post-snap your look and the quarterback has to take one extra second, one extra hitch to read that switch, that's another extra second for Miles Garrett to get home and affect the mm-hmm. play. And I think that's really where the synergy comes in, right? It's like how the Steelers do it when they're working really well together, right? When front and back are working really together, Minka Fitzpatrick's rotating down and they're switching all these looks up. That's part of what makes the Steelers defense great because you have to watch where Minka is. But by the time you find him and maybe you get a little comfortable, TJ Watson, your left. Like that's what makes great defenses great. And the Browns just looked awesome. And so the Steelers, I feel like, would have had a tough challenge if he, if they even had Deontay Johnson. It would have been tough with him. But with him, I know he has been one of the only cornerbacks in the NFL to just toast Denzel Ward. I don't know what it is. Denzel Ward basically can't get a read on Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson has, for the most part, won that matchup consistently throughout those two's career. And so without him there now, it's going to be very easy to play off on George Pickens, slide over to his side. You know, you're going to have to worry about Allen Robinson underneath, but he's not going to get you explosive plays. So your explosive plays essentially come down to Hail Mary balls to George Pickens this week. And what in the world is Calvin Austin? I think that's going to be the big thing. Because I think if Calvin Austin ends up being something and he can really toast some of these guys, this is one of the intriguing parts of this matchup to me um, with the passing offense is can a big guy like Martin Emerson, who is probably going to draw Calvin Austin most of the time, because Calvin's going to play outside. He's not going to play in the slot. He's going to play outside probably. And that's going to be against Martin Emerson with Newsom going into the slot against Robinson. Can Emerson with his length and and kind of that size that he has, can he keep up with Calvin Austin? Like, I think Emerson's a great young corner, but if Calvin Austin can beat him off the line, I think there's going to be opportunities for the Steelers maybe there um, to do some things. So so we'll see. I don't know. I think their, their hope in this game is going to have to be doing a lot of different personnel packages, a lot of 12 personnel with Darnell Washington and Pat Frymuth, I'd throw in 21 personnel, get Connor Hayward in there as a fullback doing different things. I'd go 22 personnel. I this If there is a week to put Jalen Warren and Najee Harris on the field together, this is the week. Get them on the field together. Do different things. Jet sweeps. Um, do different actions with them. Uh, get them going. Condense 12 personnel. Spread them out into empty sets. I think that's another thing they can do, go into empty. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it gets them on linebackers. I want Pat Frymuth against Anthony Walker. Like That's what I want. I want that matchup. So condense these sets, put them out wide, run different actions out of them. I think they got to be personnel multiple. And if they can do that and start to run the football by creating extra gaps, doing different things, that's where they can win this game. It's going to be a really tough matchup for them on both sides of the ball. They don't match up well without Deontay Johnson and Cam Hayward. Um, but I think if they can run the football, do different things out of these multiple personnel looks, and that's personally what I would do. I think that's where they can really start to 
chip away. If they can control the pace of the game and their running game is cooking, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off Kenny Pickett, get him settled in, and probably allow the Steelers to at least have a puncher's chance. Well, Nick, uh, I don't want you to necessarily give a prediction or anything like that on here that might be coming later in the week before the game on the site. Um, But just we've talked about the possibilities here. But realistically, how do you think this one plays out? Again, I'm not asking you for a score or anything like that. Just how does it look on Monday night? Yeah, I I, uh, I gave a score prediction out on. Oh, you Browns. put it out already? Yeah, I did on a okay. Browns podcast. Right. So I may as well give one out here. I have the okay. Steelers losing twenty to seventeen. Um, I just I don't know. They just don't match up well in this one. I don't know how they're going to get a consistent passing game going. It, it's a really bad matchup for them in that regard. And Kenny Pickett's mm-hmm. coming off the worst game of his career. So I question where his confidence is at. We'll see. I could be completely wrong. I just think it's going to be tough for them to fully get going in this one. I like their chances to beat Vegas. I don't love their chances to beat the Browns. We'll see, though. I I mean, it could happen. But I laid laid out the game plan for you of how to win that. Run the football. Make Deshaun Watson beat you. I'm not going to give my prediction because I would assume that Alan and I will still be doing another show before the game on Monday night. Um, But what I will say is, Nick, everything that you said about Jim Schwartz and how hard he makes it for quarterbacks, uh, you know, if he was able to do that to Joe Burrow, and again, maybe there's some questions about Joe Burrow's health, the lack of reps that he was able to get due to an injury and the rust there. I have a hard time all of a sudden thinking Kenny Pickett's going to turn the switch after that performance and be able to light up a, a Schwartz coach defense that just did that to Joe Burrow. So um, at the same time, everything, every time that we, the Steelers backs are against the wall and Mike Tomlin's back is against the wall. They typically come out and for somehow some way win a football game when there's no reason that they should. So I'm very interested to see how one, how this one plays out, but Nick, you can tell the people where they can find you and we will get out of here. Yeah. You could follow me at fair about FB on twitter make sure to check out steelersnow.com more coming of course over the weekend and everything and i think there will be a special i think there's gonna be a special saturday edition of steelers afternoon drive i think practice tomorrow so um there's gonna be practice tomorrow there's a practice tomorrow and so we're thrown off by this monday night game because Derek and matt typically do their thing on saturdays don't know if that will shift to sunday and like you said a special distance saturday afternoon drive but here's the great part about it nick if people are subscribed to the channel and hit the notification bell they'll know when a new video gets posted anyway so they don't have to be wondering they'll just know when it goes up so if you subscribe hit that notification bell leave us a like hit us in the comments to uh let us know how you feel about any of the topics we discussed you don't have to give any score predictions yet but how you're feeling about the game how you feel about these matchups and they just dropped a ton of great knowledge on us in terms of the way that these two teams uh match up against each other head to head so i'm zachary smith pgh and on behalf of nick farabaugh and i we hope you guys have a great day thank you for tuning into another episode of the steelers afternoon drive thanks for jumping in and we'll talk to you next time bye-bye okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. 
Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.